Hello, everyone, and welcome to our part three of being black in 2020. So this is our third part. We're talking about colorism. Um, Our first week, we pretty much just talked about George Floyd and the different things just about over the overall anger and what we had going on with uh, what was happening in our country pretty much at an apex what was happening at that time. Um, Last week, we talked about uh, macro and microaggressions, just how that kind of plays out and what that looks like and how that affects us as a people. And today we're going to dig in a little bit with colorism. Um, You know, if we, uh, you know, just to put it simply, I believe if we can't get along with each other, how can, you know, we kind of get along um, with others. Uh, Today I have again with me, Miss Desiree Attaway. And uh, Tuesdays with Tamika. So we are glad to have you all back on the show. Thank you all for coming on and doing this uh, with us. I want to properly introduce Miss Desiree, Miss Attaway. I was so excited last week. I just kind of glossed over it. Um, <laughs> so Miss Desiree Attaway, she's a seasoned nonprofit consultant and facilitator. All of her presentations have a mix of thought-provoking content presented with humor and wit. When she teaches, she makes a point to connect with every person and create a safe space for their growth. She has known she is excuse me she is known by staff senior leadership peers and partners uh, as being great at open honest and productive conversations she is not afraid of addressing anything that gets in the way of great work her style is positive approachable engaging self-oriented and audience oriented so again welcome to the show thank you for being here um Thank you. Thank you. So again, just jumping right into it. What do you think? What what is your definition of colorism? Sure. So um, my definition of colorism um, basically is kind of uh, bias or prejudice against individuals with darker skin tone Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but knowing that you know I think a lot of the time we think of colorism kind of as um this kind of uh it's uh affects our Mm self-perception but the research shows it also affects pay in Mm -hmm. terms of salaries Mm. hiring promotion um and you know I think one of for me one of the kind of real pieces to why colorism consists, why it persists, and why it is able to continue to be prominent in our lives is the media continues mm-hmm. to they, they're a big contribution. Yes. Uh, in the way that we think about skin tone and what's considered beautiful and right and pure. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. And I, and actually, you know, that last piece is where I was actually going to go with it. That is such a huge part because um, when I was younger, I just remember seeing so many videos um, that you used that I used to watch. And, you know, it was fair skin, light skin, anything but dark skin women in the videos. And so then there you are projecting this um, facade out to people and they're they're taking it, taking the bait. Right. I had a student tell me um 
he didn't say it directly to me. I kind of interjected myself in a conversation. This was years ago when I was working in my previous county and he flat out said, you know, light skinned girls are pretty and that's just that. And that's what I'm going to have a light skinned girl. And I was like, who told you that? Where did that come from? You know, and um, he and he did say, you know, an uncle. So it's interesting how we kind of can project these thoughts and biases on young children. And they're very impactful because why? Because children are very impressionable. So I thought that was very disappointing. I definitely tried to teach him and because he, he even made a statement and I've said and people have actually said this to me, you know, well, you're cute to be dark skin. And I'm like, mm, I say what now? I, I had never heard, I just had never heard that my um, parents, you know, they always thank and thank God they, they affirmed me, you know, and just, you know, gave me those affirmations, always told me how, you know, I'm beautiful and things like that. I really didn't run into seeing colorism and how it worked until I really got to high school. Um, yeah. So yeah. it's really, um, you know, kind of a, a ugly thing. I, I, I just hate that it's been projected in such a manner that can really have you going at odds with your quote unquote sister. Yeah. You know, it is, it is, it is complex, right? Because it is not only how we see ourselves, but how then the world is judging us. And I grew up as a lighter skinned black woman, you know, um, with lighter eyes, which is actually one of the reasons as I got older, I really loved that I got glasses. Mm hmm. Because then no one could continue to make remarks about my eyes. Because it always did make me feel separate and different from folks when I was no separate mm-hmm. or different, right, from my sister or anybody else just because of some genetic, you know, freak uh, that thing that happened to me. Mm-hmm. But I remember, like, hearing all the time, you know, you're red bone, you're this, and then being told, that that was somehow magical when mm. the reality is it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and this then led to, I think a lot of non-black folks who were interested in me. I think what it does for them is, you know, they would, you know, say things to me like, like, you know, like, wow, are you mixed? I'm like, no, I ain't mixed for nothing. <laughs> I'm blackity black, black, black. Mm-hmm. Like, what are y'all talking about? Like, mm-hmm. what is this about? Mm-hmm. Why is that the ideal? Um, and then I think that also plays out with uh, black folks and natural hair. Mm-hmm. Right? Like there's a certain kind mm-hmm. of natural hair, mm-hmm. the accepted kind of natural hair, which is really that which is closest to white hair, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to that really kinky stuff that the majority strong curl, mm-hmm. right? You know, so I just see that colorism also being played out in terms of what that natural hair world around what that right kind of natural hair looks like and can do. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you for that. Cause I was going to ask what were, did you have any experiences with that when you were growing up and, you know, did that affect you in any way or did you just kind of notice that it make I you feel like, it. yeah, I didn't want to, you know, I was just like, I didn't, I hated it. I didn't want to be um, felt like I was somehow special again by some genetic DNA crapshoot. Mm-hmm. You know, and the reality is, I got these light eyes from my grandfather. 
you know, from that lineage and that lineage has slaves. Those mm-hmm. are slave mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, so I didn't, there's nothing special about that whatsoever. Well, and the thing is because, and I have to say this, I did learn really about the history of slavery and what it looked like. Like it was really me watching the roots and the, um, I can't think of the name of the movie with Halle Berry, but you know, uh, those kind of movies to actually kind of realize like, Oh, this is, this is how, and that was just Alex Haley's family. You know, that was just mm-hmm. that, that piece there. Um, uh, I know for sure regarding the, the movie with, um, Haley Berry, but it's just like, wow, you know, um, you just, you, you know, some things are wrong, you know, they're not appropriate, but then you're wondering like, okay, so what do we do about this now? So, so, so for me, you know, I, my second question is, you know, the difference between racism and colorism, because I feel like with, I don't, I almost feel like with colorism, you get a double whammy. You know what I mean? Like, cause with racism, it's like, okay, it's against, you know, a certain race, but then with colorism, it's almost like, okay, it's against you. If you're dealing with racism as well, you're dealing with it against me, like as a black woman, but then I'm dealing with it from my own people because I'm a darker black woman. So I'm like, I'm getting a double whammy and it's like, I don't know. No, no, I, I, I absolutely get it. And I, I think that, I mean, at the root of it all is about supremacy. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And but that's what white supremacy has done to us. Whites, white supremacy. This system has told us that being white or as close to white means that you're beautiful and superior and rational, and that the darker you are, the more irrational and ugly and inferior you are. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those ideas um, really made. Um, they live on in us and they're mm-hmm. deeply rooted in, in, in us to this day. It was literally 20 minutes ago. I was looking on Instagram and there was this little video that they did in Mexico and they have a white doll and a black doll in front of these kids. And they keep asking every kid, which one is ugly? Mm-hmm. Which one is mean? And which one is dangerous? And wh- like, they, no, which one do, would you like? And every kid keeps choosing the white doll. And, the, and they're asking them, why are you choosing a white doll? And they're like, well, the black one's unsafe and the black one's <laughs> ugly God. and the black, like literally. My God. And, and the black one, you know, is this. And, and, but this happens over and over again in communities, even in our own communities, when we'll have folks who choose that white doll, right? Mm-hmm. Over the black one. And so when, when these slave owners raped and impregnated, black slaves mm-hmm. that started that hierarchy mm-hmm. within us right mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we know those were treated not a whole bunch but a little bit better just a little because bit of that white interest mm-hmm. just enough right mm-hmm. and so then we know during reconstruction and jim crow look if there was an opportunity for you to absolutely go and live your life as white, right? Mm-hmm. So people took that, right? Mm-hmm. They took that so that they would have a chance and that they could go to school and they could read and get these jobs. And so I actually have a really good friend of mine that it's very clear that a big part of her dad's family mm-hmm 
totally are living their lives as white people. Oh, wow. And it was, and no, it's hysterical because I was looking at some of her wedding pictures and I, and I didn't know her before she got married. And I was looking at her wedding people and I looked at this one couple and I said, who is this white couple at your wedding? Mm-hmm. I said, they're out here dancing. And she said, that is my father's brother and his wife. Wow. And I said, wow. And she said, oh, but nobody knows. Like, they live in Ohio in a little tiny town and they totally pass as white. Wow. And so, you know, I mean, you got that little bit of favorability, right? You were treated as smarter and more capable and more favorable. And it, 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 it was a, something that helped to, if not reduce barriers, but to make the barrier smaller. Mm-hmm. And so folks went for it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right? And so they divided us by race. And then they get to divide us by skin tone. Mm-hmm. And then they another way they divided us by class. And it, like, so all these ways that they can slice and dice us. Um, but yeah, light-skinned people have higher incomes. They go to school more. They live in better neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Skin color is associated in this country with the quality of life. So then the, it just brings <laughs> me back to that institutional, like that, that racism is i just don't i don't i don't understand it's just like the internalization of it like do you do do light-skinned people because and again this is not all fair-skinned people but i was a witness to this with someone that i dealt with a while ago and i'm like i i specifically i'm like do you think you're different and it wasn't different but i'm better like that's really what was said and i'm just like in awe looking like "Mm." but your mom is like my skin color you know and of course it's like well my dad is you know my dad is fair skin and you know and and again it's just going into that total p i just fit i'm see i'm trying to probably go a little deeper than what we may you know be looking to go this evening but it's just like what in your psyche just thinks that that is one okay to say that out loud to somebody think that and then live that like I honestly don't feel like I can look in a mirror no Mm. it's socialization Mm -hmm. even if I can look at my dark skinned mother and say I love my dark skinned mother right like I adore her she may be so beautiful to me but when I look at how we're socialized through media right through all the things that tells me for me to arrive for me to be have made it I need a certain type of person on my arm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm. <clears throat> a certain look, a certain level of education. Right? Like these are the things. And so um, colorism has such an effect on our lives negatively. It is that internalized piece that we eat every day that says, wow, I'm not. I'm invisible to these people, right? In a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but like I said, it's not just the relationship between me and you, it's the relationship between me and my money mm-hmm. and my education and my opportunities, <sighs> right? And wow. so, um, and if I, if I, I could just jump in, absolutely. Yeah, and offer, you know, um, us to, to look at it from um, another perspective also for have two things as we were just discussing. Um, 
the socialization piece. So if you look at, I can't even remember when Princess and the Frog came out, right? Mm -hmm. But this Disney movie, late um, 2000s and maybe 15, maybe 2015, 2016, the first time we find, we see an African-American princess, but who does she marry? She still marries a white guy, right? She still marries a white guy, Mm. but this is the first time. So every princess, every little girl gets told you're a princess, you're a prince. Oh, the prince, little princess, little princess. Most little girls do at least. Right. Mm -hmm. So to associate princess, we often look at white Disney characters, white females. Mm-hmm. You don't see anyone that's beautiful and that's going to get swept away and that's going to be protected and that's going to be loved. And the whole, you know, fairy tale that is spoon fed to us from very little girls, you don't get, you know, and me being a lighter skinned African American woman as well, I always, um, you know, I, it, it's there, there's also a thing besides colorism of like pretty privilege, mm-hmm. you know? So you get like treated, you, you <clears throat> do and as unfortunate as it Absolutely. is, it's real. It's like a real thing. Mm-hmm. And you, I got told from a very young age to take advantage of that, wow. you know? And I got told things like, um, you know, you don't, again, you know, you're very pretty for a black girl, even till like, I'm, I'm 40 years old now. And uh, when I wear my hair slicked back, um, people in my family will say like, looking like a little Puerto Rican woman or and and we know that they have African descent, but they associate my fairness, my hair texture, non black. Uh, and, and most of my parents is blackity black. I like you said, that's mm-hmm. a, you know, my mm-hmm. mama's black, my daddy's black, and of course there's there's some mixture down in the the genes. But I consider myself a black woman, mm-hmm. you know, and it and it has been growing up like going to high school. Um, it, it it was not easy. Like people think just because you're fair skinned, like yes, you get there is there's privilege. I'm not gonna even front and say that there's not. But within your own community, mm-hmm. sometimes lighter skinned African-Americans get treated bad by darker skinned black people. Mm-hmm. And we know that this is systematic. Mm-hmm. We know that this is, you know, a uh, house nigga versus field nigga. Like mm-hmm. that's just just what it is. That's mm-hmm. how they separated us. That's mm-hmm. how they divided us. And as unfortunate as it is. 200 and you know 125 years after slavery we are still i did a research project about five years ago and the number one hashtag that was trending was team light skin and team dark skin this is by black folks wow this is by us you know so we continue continue that separation right we can talk from a female perspective but light skin uh black men are seen um weaker you know, they're, they're seen less of a threat. So dark skinned uh, men are stronger and they the Mandingo and they're they're you know, they're the protector, you know, they're for as far as police are concerned and, and white folks are concerned, they're more of a threat. But in the African-American community, sometimes we see like, don't know, I don't want no pretty boy. I don't want no light skin. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it, it is so deep like it goes both ways like colorism is not just um lighter skinned people but it's also how we treat our darker skin you know it's how we treat both how uh lighter skinned people get treated and how darker skinned get people get treated and i think um as desiree said it is we are pushing white supremacy uh, agenda 
every time those things come out of our mouth, every time when a black baby is born, we say, let me see their ears to see what. And, and this is this is it. You know, yeah, we yeah, come on. Yeah, let's talk about yeah, it. This yeah. is stuff that that we keep in the house that we that other folks don't know. Mm-hmm. But we look at the back of their ears and we mm-hmm. see what color they going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, when we when we say stuff like she got good hair, he got good hair. This is stuff that we we are pushing white supremacy. We are pushing their agenda, agenda every time these things come out of our mouth. And it is our responsibility to debunk that. My dad told me from a very young age, if you got any hair on your hair, you got good hair. Mm-hmm. So that's the way, you know, I look at it. I have a, t- a total of eight children. Uh, me and my husband have are a blended family. And some of my kids are fair skin and some of my kids are dark skin. And in this house, there ain't no... There ain't there ain't none of that. You know, mm-hmm. y'all are beautiful. And I make sure that I tell them how beautiful they are. I, my daughters, when they were at the age of playing with uh, Barbies and stuff, you getting a black doll. Mm-hmm. You can have a white doll, but you getting a black doll because I want you to see because it is also there's many research. Desiree, I believe that um, study that that what you were sh- it was like a research project. They would yeah. sit dolls in front of little black girls and they would almost always go for the white doll Mm -hmm. and almost always want to play with the white doll so i made sure i did reverse and i said no you always gonna go for the black doll that's Mm -hmm. gonna always be your first choice Mm -hmm. something that looks like you when they make these little avatars and stuff on their video games i'm making sure that their avatar is blackity black black like the darkest Mm -hmm. one that it could be Mm -hmm. you know because i just want them to embrace who they are but i think it's also important that we highlight how lighter skinned people in our community sometimes get mistreated, mm-hmm. sometimes get, For you sure. know, and I could, I could just speak from experience, whereas, oh, you think you all that. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, um, the Spike Lee movie. Um, do the right thing. Uh, do the right thing. School, school days. School days. School days. The Jigaboos <laughs> and the, I forget what the other girls were called. <laughs> like these are, these are conversations that we have within our home. And then we wonder why, when, when this information leaks out, why is it something that white people take a hold of and then they run with it? Mm-hmm. Use it against us, which is which is where I'm going next. What do we do about it? You know, and I know that's a big question globally because, you know, we're three women on a podcast talking, but I believe change starts within us. And then you you promote that. Um, so I think that might be a cliche answer, but then they're outside of okay you're you're promoting change within yourself you're checking yourself should you have any of your own biases then what does that look like moving forward as you mentor teach and facilitate you know you see it you stop it you see it you use it a teachable moment you know how do you go how do you how do you move forward from 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 here because this runs deep uh, it, it, I don't, you know, I'm not saying it can change overnight, but I think people can be used as change agents to change ideas of how people think and the ideology of why they think the way they think and just help turn that into um, basically a negative, like, you know, just eradicate that altogether. You know, I wish, you know, in a, in a perfect world, you could, I think generationally, some things are going to continue to be taught. Uh but you know where do you take a stand and say you know this i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do this i'm gonna you know uh i'm gonna do better and teach better as i said or facilitate better um you know what do you say to that 
Well, a couple of things. One is colorism is not just in the U.S. It's it's everywhere. Yes, yeah, right. All over mm-hmm. the world. It's right? everywhere. I mean, one of the most um, successful companies in the world is the company that creates skin lightening cream. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's literally sold every place in the world. And I actually remember when I was a kid. I'm 54. My uh, grandma and great grandma like buying it and mm-hmm. using it in Alabama. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this is a global issue, which, for for my perspective, really speaks to how deep white supremacy really mm-hmm. is. Mm. Right, so. I'm in a, you know, you're in India, a place where, you know, there are very few white people, but still the concept that white is better and superior Mm -hmm. is like so deeply ingrained there. So I think it is understanding how we've connected globally because of media, because of commercials and capitalism and commerce we've connected beauty to whiteness mm-hmm. blue eye blonde hair a certain look mm-hmm. like you know in uh vogue in mexico just like i think for the first time last year put an indigenous woman wow on the magazine right and so it is it is something that we really have to really think about what what do we consider beautiful and how do we talk about these things and this for me is where the patriarchy really intersects with white supremacy right because who's who's telling us what that is that is white men right who are writing the ads and doing um controlling the media and so um you know so of course it is built in their reflection and what they have deemed what hair texture is acceptable and uh no shape and eye and eye color and skin color um and so i think it is us really helping to define what beautiful is not only to folks that are to young children but also to folks in our current age that whatever stage of life we're in, what are the what 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 is beautiful about that and being more than just what I look like, like taking that piece, really taking that piece out of it. Um, and then I think also da- data helps, right? Like mm-hmm. showing the difference in terms of not only how you know black folks are getting paid in your organization, but let's literally take it down to another level, and let's see how the darker-skinned black folks are getting paid in your hmm. organization. Hmm. Because I'm gonna tell you all this: I've worked with many organizations um, that were run by people of color, and the colorism that shows up when you look at who's been hired, hmm. wow, and who's at the top of leadership, wow is real y'all wow it is real and i believe right? it and, and 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 you know i'm taking for instance a place where the majority of people for this one organization are literally from the island of puerto rico which y'all know is every kind of hue 
No, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right, yeah. like from from this to that. Mm-hmm. And literally, when you look at the leadership, they were all white presenters. Wow. Mm. Because again, that it's the hierarchy of humanity. This is what supremacy does. Mm-hmm. It um, it takes people and it it puts you on a scale. Mm. It puts value to certain pieces and parts of you. Mm-hmm. And color is one of those ways that it adds value or takes value away from you and your humanity. Yeah, that's a real topic you spoke on there because um, that discussion, I just had that very discussion with somebody a little while ago, but it, it really didn't yield a, a result of like, well, what can be done kind of thing. It was just like, yeah, we know this, this happens because I'm wondering how do you bring that to light and address that, that especially with that money piece, that salary piece, because I did read an article a while ago that said that, you know, black women are paid the lowest, they paid the lowest, but they tried to kind of write the article in a manner that white uh, excuse me black women don't advocate for themselves when it comes to their salary but I would have to say this black woman definitely did and I was definitely you know told on um, the couple of times well okay one time it was I got what I wanted um, but there have been a few times where it was like no you have to stay here because of this this and that and then I know very well it's worked differently for some counterparts. So it's like, do you get EEO in there? Like, how do you, how does that even get addressed? Because that stuff is confidential. And unless somebody actually tells you how much they're getting paid, you know, you don't you're really going off a of hearsay. Like, how do they keep yeah. those biases out and 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 ensure that there is fair pay for all? You know, you do you do a, you do a pay transparency audit mm-hmm. you bring in a professional who takes all that data, who's a data scientist. I, I do this. This mm-hmm. is part of what I do for a living. And you lay it all out and you get people to self-identify and then you do qualitative and quantitative data search around how stuff is being laid out. But, but even before then, this is two things. This is why pay, I think all pay should be transparent. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't, I should be able to look on your website and tell look and be like oh this is what your ed makes mm-hmm. oh this is what your janitor makes right like all pay should be open and transparent because and you what's equitable is that you pay people a living a great wage so they don't have to come in and negotiate mm-hmm. because research shows us that women will always negotiate last and black and brown folks are always the least of those to negotiate, right? Because mm-hmm. we're like, I'm trying to get this job. I right. don't want anything to happen. I don't mm-hmm. want, right? I'm trying to make these white people happy. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take this. And so research shows, do you know that there are literally 23-year-old white boys graduating with college who've never worked a day who will go in and negotiate their first job? <laughs> There's someone with no degree and come out and they're making six figures and you like say what now? Right. And so I'm like, wait, when I was when I was first coming out of college, I didn't even understand that I could negotiate mm-hmm. anything. Right. And so that some 23 year old kid is coming out and is and literally is negotiating and getting and some of them are getting what they're asking for. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people. You don't get what you deserve, you get what you negotiate. Mm hmm period 
But we got to understand that we also are choosing them. They're not just choosing us. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I think we go in the work the wrong way. I work for, whether I work for somebody else or my own business, I ultimately and always work for Desiree Attaway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because those people will cut me loose in a minute. Yeah. They care nothing about me and mine. So if I'm working for an organization and they're paying me, then I am sitting here and I'm like, how do I do my best work here? How do I get more skills and get what I need so that I can go to the next opportunity? Mm-hmm. Because at some point, this ain't going to work out with us no more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, or you just move on to bigger and better. Like, he, well, you know. I, I just think there's always, there's, I think black people have a lifespan within white organizations. And at some point, this ain't going to work out no more. <laughs> and since it's your company, I'm going to have to leave. Mm-hmm, right? Like, mm-hmm, that's just mm-hmm, the way mm-hmm, it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why I started my own company. <laughs> but, uh, but we have got to um, negotiate. And that is where all of these things about the patriarchy and, like, a woman does negotiate and who is she to get a full set. Like, all these things are showing up and all these biases. And we have got to be really pushing them. So everybody, I, I'm like, what's, when people are like they're getting a new job, I'm like, let me know when it's time to go for salary because you better negotiate. If you can't get an increase in salary, can they pay student loans for three months? If mm-hmm. you can't get student loans, like there is always some stuff that we can put on the table. Can I get two more weeks vacation? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like that I think is a way that we can take care of the transparency around our pay to make sure that we're staying in alignment mm-hmm. because they won't ever, they won't ever do that for us. And I, I agree on that. Um, Tamika, do you have any um, last comments you want to um, chime in? That's pretty much what um, I have for the show today, just to kind of really just kind of have a conversation about it. And then, you know, what does it look like for us moving forward? Yeah. Um, to, just to, kind of wrap up, I just wanted to thank you ladies for having these crucial conversations because I believe that that's the start of it. You know, we have to be willing to have these difficult conversations. Um, And it's easy for us, but hopefully, you know, the audience um, that's listening, Mm -hmm. they'll be able to receive this information and understand that this is our reality. This is the world that we live in every single day. But uh, just to to leave... um, one little bit, you, you said, how do we kind of combat this and how, and I think it's something as simple as you said, um, well, I, about, you know, when, when we hear younger <laughs> folks and we hear kids and children talk about, um, you know, this light skin versus dark skin, or, you know, she's pretty because she's light skin or, you know, this, these different things. I think that we have a responsibility to one, every time we see a little, black or brown child, no matter what skin color they live in to affirm them Mm -hmm. and let them know that they're beautiful. Let them know that they're needed. Let them know their power. And, you know, just, just to really speak into their lives. Um, But then we also have a responsibility to correct, you know, Mm -hmm. those that we did used to live in societies like that, where we would correct one another and that where we would, you know, kind of um, uh, change narratives but it seems like we've gone away from that everybody's Mm -hmm. like worrying about you know 
them and they own. Mm-hmm, and and mm-hmm. I understand why, you know, we've, we've done those things. But I think if we go back to some of that, you know, when we see little black and brown children mm-hmm. in the stores, um, not live, not showing up as their best selves to pull them aside and love on them and, and tell them their importance and who they are and, and this and to be proud of the skin that they live in and to make sure that they're always representing themselves right. So I think uh, that will put that that will create a small wave. You know, God um, told me a couple of weeks ago, the smallest waves create the biggest tsunamis. So there's never anything too small that we can do to start to create change. All right. Well, with that, um, we'll end on that note. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, um, Desiree and Tamika. Thank you very much for coming on the show and just doing this series with me, walking, you know, side by side with me as I, you know, just kind of navigated the waters and even touched on it. And I mean, who knows, we may circle back to it. It may be that there's much more to talk about. We know, but I do believe we've covered a great amount of um information in the three episodes that have aired in this series being black in 2020 um tell everyone we only have a few minutes but tell everyone how they can uh find you guys on social media um your tags your websites i am at um tamika underscore thomas underscore or tuesday with tamika um you could follow me there all right hi yeah i'm at desiree attaway one word at Desiree Attaway on Twitter, at Desiree Attaway on Instagram, and at Desiree Attaway on Facebook. Thank you, ladies. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.